0: Welcome to the Future Law Podcast. This show looks at where the law has been and where it's going. I'm Dan Hunter and I'm the Dean of Law at QUT in Australia and also a researcher in a centre for automated decision-making in society and I do a lot of legal technology So the growing role of technology in the legal industry is changing a lot of things for lawyers, but some fundamentals aren't changing at all. One of those fundamentals is the key role that stories and storytelling play in legal practice, in judging, in designing and running legal systems, and in making and applying public policy. That is, in everything. In this episode, Mike Madison interviews an expert storyteller. Bruce Cohen, a veteran Hollywood producer of films, including American Beauty, Down With Love, Silver Linings Playbook, Milk, and the upcoming Rustin. Filmmakers and lawyers both need to engage and persuade various audiences. But what else can lawyers learn from the experience and thinking that builds
1: success in Hollywood? Take a listen. Bruce Cohen, welcome to the Future Law Podcast. Thank you, Mike. Excited to be here. Excited to have you. So topic for today is storytelling. And wanted to dive right in. You've had a long and very successful career in filmmaking. Uh, you had some very, very notable films. Uh, so you've accumulated, I assume, a lot of wisdom and insight about stories, what makes for a good story, how to educate people about storytelling, Where would you start? How would you explain the character of what makes a good story today?
2: Well, I think one of the really fascinating but can also be uh, frustrating parts of the entertainment industry is that there are really very few sure things and not that many hard and fast rules. It's not like other industries like law, for example, where things can be very specific as to what works and what doesn't and what constitutes law and what doesn't and what's a good judgment and what isn't. In the entertainment industry, it's much vaguer all the way around. So different people would have different answers to the question of what makes a good story. For me, in this period of my career, probably for like the last 20 years when I've been actively producing, I get a lot of stories sent to me. So it's a lucky place to be in, but it is kind of your first job is how do you weed through all these stories and decide which ones you want to tell? And for me, I'm looking for two things and 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 it's got to hit both. Number one is a story that I feel deeply connected to, that I have a very passionate reaction to, that I feel when I hear it like this is something that I have to produce and get involved in and get super, super excited about. So most stories I hear don't quite meet that bar, but a lot do, which is nice. But then the other bar, so that's sort of that's the pure art creative bar. The other bar is the business bar, which is I'm I'm also looking for and listening for stories that I feel like I can see the business model It's oh, I might actually have a plan to get that made. Because as you may know, the vast majority of projects in Hollywood never get made and never see the light of day. So, you know, do I feel like there actually could be a market for this? Do I feel like I actually could figure out a way to raise the money and attach the talent, whether it's actors and directors? And so I'm really I'm looking for projects that meet both bars, which helps me narrow it down. I hear a lot of stories that I personally deeply love, but I think I'm probably the only person or one of four other people that would. And so those I don't pursue. And then even more than that, I hear stories that I think, you know what? That's probably a huge hit, but I just don't love it enough. I'm not personally connected to it enough to feel like I'm the right person to produce it.
1: So could we dive into a little bit of that second part because what you're what I hear you describing is you're trying to anticipate reactions by different kinds of audiences. You've got business audiences, so people who you would want to help put up money or distribute the film or otherwise be involved in the production of the film as partners, stakeholders, et cetera. But you're also trying to anticipate the reaction of audiences at different levels and different scales, geographies, niches, broad, etc. So partly the question of what makes a good story is you're trying to use your expertise to understand where the project is going to go. So so in that space what are the the typical elements that you're you're looking for to meet needs goals expectations of the people that you will ultimately be trying to market or sell the movie to.
2: Well the the sort of the first two headline areas are which are connected can you raise the money and can you attach the talent. So that's really, in some sense, even before you start thinking of who the audience is going to be. But the people that you're going to for the money, they're already thinking about who the audience is going to be. So their thoughts are sort of doing that for you. And by talent, that can be it depends because different projects come in in different conditions. Sometimes it's a writer who's submitting something that's already been written, in which case you don't need a writer. Sometimes it's a director who's already found a project, in which case you don't need a director. In some case, it's actually an actor who's found something that they want to do. So you don't need that. So it's always some combination of writer, director, and cast. Who do you have already and who do you need? And so to begin with, I'm looking at both of those things of do I think this is a story that could get great talent interested in it? And do I think this is a story that I could find either a studio or a network or independent financing to put up the money? Which, as I said, that gets very quickly to the questions, both business, but also creative of, is it a film? Is it a movie? Is it a, um, is it a streamer? What is the platform and who's the audience?
1: So you mentioned story. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that. For the benefit of the audience, I, I want to sort of guide people listening to the podcast to sort of help translate what you're describing in terms of your experience into how they might find it useful in, in some transferred area like law or business or something else. So let's focus a bit on story itself. And let me give you a quick anecdote to set up the question. A number of years ago, I got invited to a conference in Hollywood on uh, entertainment law. And entertainment practice. And one of the members of the panel was a very, very well known Hollywood filmmaker. I'm not going to use the name, but somebody that you would know, you would recognize. And, and I could suspect you probably know this person who was asked a question about the role of character versus the role of plot to so the role of story itself and how that got weighed in the decision to green light a project versus the role of character and, and which if one had to put emphasis on one or the other, which was more important? And the answer was, from a business standpoint, character tended to dominate plot. Because if the production company or the studio could own the rights to a character or a set of characters and build around the characters, then there was a the possibility of one successful film becoming two successful films, becoming potentially three successful films. The same characters could be developed over the course of the entire project. Whereas if you focused exclusively on story, there was a risk that that one project, which might be successful, might not lead to successive projects. So the question really is, in your mind, when you're thinking about the content, independent of director and talent and so forth, do you prioritize your own personal reaction to the story or reaction to the characters? How do you weigh that equation?
2: I'm looking for the whole ball of wax, you know, the things that I am going to get very excited about trying to produce and the things often that I feel like I actually have a shot of getting them on the screen are projects that are succeeding in all those areas that have phenomenal characters and exciting plot and Something you didn't mention, which is in some ways to me, even the most important, which is tone. What's the actual look and feel of it? And, you know, when you're watching a, a, a film or a TV series that you haven't seen before, I would say a broad generalization is it's going to it falls somewhere on the spectrum of, oh, God, this thing feels like 43 things that I've already seen and I know exactly where it's going, is on the one hand. And on the other hand is, this is totally unique. I have never seen anything like this before in my life. Now, most things you read or watch fall somewhere in between on that spectrum. But the tone has a lot to do with where it falls. Because if it is the same old Plot and the same old characters delivered in the same old way, then that is not going to be as exciting to most people. Although, Lord knows, and especially these COVID days, there's a lot of comfort to watching the same reruns of the same show that you love over and over. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. But when you see a film or television show and your reaction is, this is brand new, I've never seen anything like this before. A lot of that is the tone. It's because the writer and the director and the actors all together, they have found a new way to tell a story. You've probably seen something in that genre before. There's probably human beings Acting, you know, there are elements of it that are very familiar. So what is it that is making this show feel so revolutionary in an exciting way? And that that's the tone. And so I'm I'm looking for all of those things. And I also naturally gravitate on the creative side to the I've never seen anything like this before side of the equation, but those are actually harder to sell often because people don't understand what they are. So I have created over the years uh, a difficult conundrum for myself is that you know the things I'm most drawn to can be the things that are hardest to sell. And that's why I'm always looking for stuff that I at least feel like I have some way of getting it on the air. One of the absurd things about Hollywood is that when something new comes out that people haven't seen before that everyone loves and that no one expected to be a huge hit and suddenly it's a huge hit. The very next thing that happens is every single other studio wants to make a copy of that movie and put it out in the marketplace. And it's to me always such a silly logic gap because, the exact reason why that movie was a hit is because people thought it was unique and original and they hadn't seen it before. So how does it make business sense to turn around and try and copy it and put out another movie that seems exactly like that? But it happens all the time. And sometimes the first or second copy will actually do some business as well because people are, you know, they like this new form of whatever it is. But then invariably by the third or fourth time, the audience rebels because the whole thing they liked about it was its originality.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I can't explain obviously that the character of the pattern that you just described, but when I was listening to your account of your decision-making, I'm thinking, well, there's an inherent riskiness to the combination of elements that you're looking for. If you're looking for something that's distinctive and unique and never really been seen before, by design, it's difficult to predict whether that's ultimately going to be saleable, whether that's ultimately going to be successful. So in a way, if it turns out to be successful, it's not surprised that everybody else piles in because, aha, we're in a risky business. We don't know what works, but that one worked. So we're going to double down on that model because we've mitigated our risk. I, I hear there's a little bit of an analog to this for the lawyer who is trying to figure out whether to make an edgy, cutting edge, novel argument in court, as opposed to making an argument that's amply supported because it's well backed up by precedent and tradition. And that type of reasoning has has always worked in the past. And every lawyer, uh, particularly litigators and trial lawyers, are always thinking how far to push the envelope, how far do they need to push the envelope, how far can they afford to push the envelope in in testing the edges of the law, hardly a perfect analog by any means, but
2: well, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty good, and I, I have another one for you, which is I do think that when you're talking about writing and presenting your brief, and my dad was a, is a lawyer, so I grew up knowing a lot about the law and how that all works, and it's always been a um, fascinating area to me. And actually, there's a lot of I deal with a lot of legal issues in the entertainment industry, not surprisingly. So it's part of producing because you've got to know (laughs) your legal side of things as well. But to your discussion about story, we cannot underestimate the power of storytelling and nothing changes hearts and minds. As well as a good story and a director who you've probably heard of, whose name I will just go right ahead and drop on your program, (laughs) who I came up working for when I was first starting in the business and have worked for over the years is Steven Spielberg. And one of the many, 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 many brilliant, wonderful things that Steven either said to me or I heard him say that has really stuck with me and that I think about all the time is you have to entertain That's the first entry to get any audience to watch anything is entertaining them. And of course you want to have a great message and you wanna change the world and you want to do all your social justice projects, which I'm obsessed with and have done, spent most of my career trying to get on the screen. But Stephen felt, and I think he's absolutely right, the minute the audience thinks you're trying to preach to them, they are out the door. So you always need to figure out how you're entertaining people. And I think where that goes to is also the power of a great story. And for you lawyers out there, you know, if you're trying to convince a judge or jury of your position, you do not want to bore them. You wanna tell them a story that is compelling, that, that has emotional resonance, and you see why it's not a coincidence that film and television are, are so beloved throughout the world. It's because people love a good story and they love to get involved and you can change their minds with a good story. You, we see that happening you know, year by year by year by year, fortunately.
1: I want to pick up on your your, your Steven Spielberg anecdote there uh, because it's really insightful, but it also tells me something important about this process, which is how you learn to become a storyteller. I think Steven Spielberg is somebody who a lot of us who are just movie lovers and have been watching movies forever, we come to a Spielberg movie or name a number of other Hollywood directors and producers, and we think, well, that person is extraordinarily gifted, just per se, just gifted, and in effect was born that way. And we just are blessed to have the opportunity to watch and experience the products of their imagination. But I am intuiting, and part of what's in your anecdote is confirming that Storytelling is a skill. It's a skill that can be taught. It's a skill that can be learned. You learned it in part from your apprenticeship with Steven Spielberg. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how one goes about teaching or how one goes about learning the processes and arts associated with storytelling. And I'll ask you to maybe think about it in terms of how you might be paying this forward yourself to junior colleagues, mentees, other people that you are currently collaborating with in your career today?
2: Well, one aspect of producing is reading a huge number of scripts film and television because you're getting submitted them all the time sometimes you find an idea you might have hired the writer you've had the you've cast that to ask them to go off and write a script you've love fell in love with the play that you're turning into a script or an article but however it's happening what the the product that you need before you can get it on the air is a script so as a result I am reading, a huge number of scripts, at least 10 a week, maybe more. And that adds up over the weeks and the years. And I think that's probably for me, and I think for a lot of other producers, that's sort of the best crash course in storytelling you're going to get. And that's how I learned what a good story is, is just by reading script after script, after script, after script. And eventually you get to a point where you just have a very instinctual feeling for what's working, what isn't. And that can be, you know, that scene by scene that's line by line, you know, a great script. They make it look easy because writing a great script is impossibly hard. And I am in awe of writers who have the talent and are able to do it. But being able to write a script that creates an actual world that makes sense that you understand that you're in and that you're enjoying being in is a huge task. And most scripts I read fail at that, you know, and it's so in that sense, it can be pretty it's pretty easy to get to weed out the first batch because unfortunately it isn't working as as a whole. But then the scripts that succeed succeed you really can start seeing you know what works and why it works and how it works and when it works and where it works and you start learning over the years what a good story is and you start being able to really help writers by giving super good notes for me if i don't like the script i I can't really give good notes. I just, I'm too frustrated. And unfortunately, I have nothing really to say other than I don't like it. But if I like a script or I love a script, it's usually very clear to me as I'm reading through what's working, what isn't, the areas where improvements can be made. And I I can always tell when I finish the script, like the better the notes I have and the more helpful they're going to be and the more excited the writer is to get them, the better the script is and the more I loved it. It's kind of like a mind meld. You know, I feel like I understand what the writer was going for and I've had this idea to get them there in even a better way than maybe something they had thought of at that, so far.
1: One of the things that I'm hearing, which is really interesting to me, is, as you say, the process of repetition. What I am reflecting on in my own mind is when I teach law, particularly when I'm teaching early career law students and early career lawyers, I remind them that, yes, you have to be very careful and attentive to the specific details of whatever the transaction might be or the lawsuit might be. But there are patterns There are patterns and lawyers like other professionals have to understand that the world sometimes comes in recognizable patterns. And as you have more experience and you do more reading, you learn to recognize the pattern. So once you recognize the pattern, you can say, aha, there's a certain type of contract lawsuit or there's a certain type of business deal or there's a certain type of copyright infringement. What I'm hearing in your description of your experience is that you are training your mind both to recognize patterns in the scripts that you're seeing, and also to recognize what's not the pattern, right? When something breaks the mold, and then stands out positively or negatively because exactly it doesn't meet standard expectations of a genre. Have have I have I heard you right?
2: You absolutely have, and you, what that made me think of is is a sort of a very specific example of that, which occurs to you as you're reading a script. Is where am I in the story? And a good script, you're just with it the whole time. Nothing is throwing you out, and you're not wondering or worrying about where this is going. You don't care, you don't know where it's going potentially, but you don't care because you're you're on a you're on a journey. It's almost like a amusement park ride that you've gotten on, and it's going to take you to the end in a fun way automatically. But that's very rare, and it's actually very hard. And most scripts, invariably at some point, you don't know where you are in the story. You're like, what is happening right now? Who's doing what? What are the different characters? What are their roles? Am I halfway through? Am I a tenth of the way through? Is this ending? And you can't tell that's not good and you know that goes specifically to the patterns you were talking about is that script needs a lot more work because you you want a script where you you're on this ride our, our innate ability to hear a story to understand a story to understand narrative you kind of know where you are in a story if it's well done.
1: What you've just done is remind me that there is a timelessness to all of this. I think it was Aristotle who wrote that stories have a beginning and a middle and an end. And I think that's a perfect place to come to for today as an end. Bruce Cohen, I want to thank you. I just can't tell you how grateful I am for your setting aside some time to talk with me about your career and your insights into storytelling. And I have no doubt that my colleagues in the legal profession will find all of this stimulating and useful. So terrific.
2: Totally my pleasure. So much fun. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the Future Law Podcast. We hope that that gives you some insight into how important storytelling can be within the legal profession. Next week, Mike chats to a longtime conductor who's been leading symphonies and orchestras around the world for more than 30 years, Scott Speck. They'll be chatting about how to get a lot of different players to listen to each other, also important in the world of law. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the topic of storytelling and the law, then send us an email on thefuturelawpodcast at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us via Twitter at thefuturelawpod. Thank you to our executive producer and editor, Maria Tayazade. This show is brought to you by Queensland University of Technology. Of course, don't forget to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Bye for now.